Welcome to Spring Ridge Church Podcast. We hope that you will be blessed by the podcast today. If you would like to find out more information about our church, our website's www.springridgechurch.com. You can send an email to me, the pastor, Scott Phillips, at pastor at springridgechurch.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Prayer requests, questions, desire for a Bible study, or you would like some information how to attend our church or another church of like precious faith. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. Sunday. I'm excited about everything that God has for us on this day. Amen. If you wouldn't mind standing to your feet this morning, we're going to go to the Word of God. I am grateful for the opportunity to uh, preach to us all here in this place this morning. I do believe that God has a Word for somebody, whether it be someone present here in the building with us, or someone that may be watching this uh, message online, I do believe that God has something to say to us. If you've got your Bibles, go with me to the book of Matthew, the 24th chapter. We'll read a few passages of Scripture there, and then we'll see what God has for us. Matthew 24 and verse number 37. It was last Sunday that I was in prayer and the Lord uh, laid this upon my heart and I felt like that He wanted me to preach it, but I didn't know when or where I was going to preach it. And then Pastor Phillips texted me Thursday and asked me if I would preach today. So it all made sense to me when he sent me that text message. So Matthew, the 24th chapter, we'll start at verse number 37. The Bible says... But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And then the Bible says here in verse number 40, Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, and the other left. This is where I want to draw our attention to this morning, is verse number 40, where the Bible says, Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, and the other left. Left. If you wouldn't mind setting your Bibles down, I want us to go to prayer one more time. If you know how to pray, I would ask you to lift your voice and pray to God right now that, that He would speak to us with clarity and open our minds to understanding that we would hear what the Word of God is saying to us this morning. Mighty God, 
You are holy. And You are mighty Jesus. I thank You, God, for Your goodness and Your mercy that You show towards us every day. I pray, Lord God, that You would speak with clarity to us this morning. That our ears would be open. That we would hear what You are saying to the church this morning. That our, that our hearts would be open. That we would receive that which You are trying to impart into us this morning, Lord. I pray that You would move in a mighty way. That we would position ourselves in a manner that You could have Your way in our life here in this place. Can we give Him a hand? clap of praise this morning. We thank You, Jesus. We worship You and we praise You, God. You are so mighty and so wonderful. You may be seated this morning. For the next little while, I want to preach to us on this thought. Two men in a field. Two men in a field. A number of years ago, there were two brothers that taught an invaluable lesson without meaning to at all. When these two brothers were young boys, their mother ran off and left them to the care of their father. The sad tragedy is that she never returned. Their father's heart was overtaken with pain and anger and bitterness. And because of this, he turned to alcohol for a coping mechanism. At first, the drinking was in small increments, but with the inability to show self-restraint, it soon overtook his life, causing it to spiral out of control. His drinking problem would eventually cost him his job, thrusting he and his two boys into poverty. Through the years of living a life with an alcoholic father and a missing mother, these two brothers would learn not to expect much in life. There was never any food to eat. What few clothes or shoes they had were typically given to them by someone else. They never had new bikes. They never had a car to drive. There was never a Christmas tree or a birthday party. About the only thing that they learned to expect was the constant rage and abuse that they experienced daily. Every day when these two brothers would get home from school, it was there that they were met with a drunk father who had a hard fist and a loud voice. They could never do anything to please Him. As hard as they tried, it never paused the chaos. Throughout their childhood and into their teenage years, this vicious cycle of verbal and physical abuse would play itself out. When the two brothers reached the age of 16 and 18, it was then and there that they decided that they had had enough. And so they made a plan to leave home. The younger of the two brothers took a job as a deckhand on a shipping boat, moving cargo up and down the river. He eventually lost the job after multiple fights with co-workers and refusing to listen to the authority of his bosses. Taking jobs and quickly losing them would become the norm for this man. 
Thoughts of his missing mother and his abusive father plagued his mind. It saturated his mind day in and day out, driving him to act out in unruly ways. He would soon find it was just much easier for him to settle in as a homeless beggar than it would be for him to learn to live responsibly. And on the other hand, we find the older of the two brothers that he decided he would give college a try. So at 18, that's the journey that he embarked upon. He had no one to pay for it, so he took two jobs just to put himself through. He quickly moved to the top of his class and into a leadership position on his job. He excelled both on the job and in the classroom. And this would quickly become the norm for him. Thoughts of his missing mother and his abusive father plagued his mind. It was on his mind daily and it drove this man to give everything that he had to reach his dreams and his aspirations. After graduating with the master's degree in business, he started working in the real estate business. He started out by working deals on several small commercial buildings. Soon, he would find himself brokering multi-million dollar commercial and residential buildings in several different states. He found it easy for himself to settle in as a real estate tycoon. A production company thought it good to produce a documentary highlighting the rise of homelessness across several major cities. At one point, the camera crew went out in the streets and began to interview some of the homeless people. One of these people to be interviewed was the younger of these two brothers. With the camera in his face, he was asked the question, How did you end up here? With the distant look in his eye and a flood of memories in his mind, he responded by saying, I'm here because of my father. A national newspaper thought it good to publish a series of articles on the most successful real estate Dealers in the country. One of the people to be interviewed for these articles was the older of the two brothers. With a pen and a paper in his face, he was asked the question, How did you end up here? With a distant look in his eye and a flood of memories in his mind, he responded by saying, I'm here because of my father. Two brothers raised in the exact same environment with two completely different outcomes for their life. So we must ask the question, what was the difference? I would submit to us this morning that the difference for these two men was their response. It was their response to the chaos. It was their response to the disorder. It was their response to the trouble. It was their response to the dilemma that delivered them to the place that they were in. We find here in the Scripture 
This text revolving around the second coming of Jesus. It's here in our Scripture verse that I want to bring our attention to that Jesus was speaking about His return. And we find that He gives us this picture of two men in a field. And He simply tells us that one will be taken, but the other will be left behind. When we read this Scripture verse, it does not tell us their names. It does not tell us their age. We do not even know where they are from. But what we do know is that they are two men in the same field, quite possibly doing the same thing. I would say to us this morning that it's quite possible that these two men were servants hired by the same man to do the same job for the same pay. It's possible that these two men found themselves coming from similar circumstances, from similar situations. It's quite possible that these two men were from the same social class. So if there is so much that is the same about these two men, then why do we find here in this story that one was left behind, but one was taken? Is it possible here that these men, that one possessed the right attitude? It's quite possible that their attitude, their approach, their response to life is what made the difference for them. Every day, these two men showed up to this field to do a job, knowing that at the end of the week that they would be paid their wages. For the one man, he was grateful for the work. Things had been hard and finding work had been slow. He knew this job would pay him enough to feed his family and put clothes on their back. Because things had been slow and he knew what it was like to do without. He was ecstatic that things were finally looking up. This man always gave 100%. Everything in that field, he seemed to always be, or every day in that field, he seemed to always be upbeat, singing a song, whistling a tune, because he had finally been given an opportunity to prove himself. The other man was frustrated. He showed up daily in a state of aggravation. He felt like their boss was unreasonable. He felt like the pay wasn't good enough for the work that he was expected to do. He was always complaining. He was always finding excuses to do less. He was always stirring up trouble. He was the one that no one wanted to be around. His work in the field was plagued with inconsistency. If it were not for the graciousness of the master of the field, this man would have been ran off a long time ago. It was their attitude. It was their perception. It was their response that was different. 
But I would say that the divide between the two men might have even been greater than this. While working and whistling his favorite tune, the one man's heart was overtaken with happiness because of his brother's recent success. He and his brother are very close and he loves him dearly. They have always stood on each other's sideline cheering one another on. There is great unity in their relationship. His brother had been working hard and this man in the field felt that his brother was deserving of what he had recently received. The other man in the field had a brother too. Their relationship was very indifferent. It was fraught with friction, envy, and jealousy. He felt his brother was always getting everything he ever wanted and more. He could not stomach the thought of his brother getting one more opportunity, one more blessing, one more open door. This made the man in the field angry. It's all that he could think about and he was frustrated. But the divide between the two did not stop there. One man in the field knew God. One man in the field loved God. One man in the field had committed his life to God. His time, his money, his resources were directed to the kingdom of God. It was his priority. It was the priority of his home. The other man in the field knew God. He knew about the things of God. They just weren't that important to him. He kept them just close enough that he could reach out and touch them when it was convenient, but not close enough that they could change his life, that they could leave an everlasting impact upon his life. Faithfulness was the defining attribute for one man, but unfaithfulness was the defining attribute of the other. Mercy was the response always given by one man. Oh, but cruelty was given by the other. Love was always the motive for one man. Oh, but hatred spewed from the other. Forgiveness was always the first reaction given by the one man. But the other man can never let things go. The house of God was always a non-negotiable for one man. But the other man searched out reasons to avoid it. One man kept his heart submerged in repentance. But the other man thought one time a long time ago was the only repentance that he needed. One man revered the infallible Word of God. However, the other man questioned it. One man prayed for those that had despitefully used him. But the other sought after revenge. One man was kind and compassionate to his family. But the other man was known for being a brute. One man looked daily for the return of the Lord. The other man said, I've heard it my entire life. One man humbly received correction from the man of God. The other man said, Who does he think that he is? One man lived a life free from his past. Oh, but the other man was like a dog and turned back 
back to his vomit. One man was separated unto God. The other man was entrenched, was buried in worldliness. One man was concerned about the heavenly. Oh, but one man was concerned about the earthly. One man responded and obeyed the gospel. Oh, but the other man had no interest. One man spoke peace while the other man sowed division. One man was always uplifting. The other man was always critical. One man was an empty vessel willing to be used by God. The other man was full and he had no time for God. One man prayed at an altar. Oh, but the other man slipped out the back door. And I would say that one man let COVID draw him closer to God. Come on somebody. But the other man let COVID separate and divide and drive him away and be his excuse and be his reason while he stays away from God in the house of God. I'm telling you that each and every one of us have an opportunity to decide which man am I going to be. Because what we must understand is that there's a great divide between the two. That one man's going to be left standing in the field, but the other's going to be called to meet God in His glory when He comes back. Oh, the man that was left in the field was left there because of his decisions. He was left there because of the life that he lived or the life that he didn't live. But we find another man that wasn't left there. Oh, but he left the field behind. He left this world behind. How and why? Because of his response. Because of his actions. Because of his reactions. Because he was willing to take correction from the man of God. Because he was willing to commit himself to the things of God because he made the house of God a priority. I'm telling you that there's a great divide between the two men that we find in this story. And we've got to decide which side of the divide am I going to be on. That when I wake up in the morning that my life is going to be committed to God. That it's not just a Sunday relationship but when I wake up on Monday I'm going to have joy in my heart because it's directed towards God. I'm telling you that if anybody gets left in the field, it's their own fault. And I'm telling you that if anybody gets taken out of the field, it's their own fault too. That the decision lies solely with us. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning. And like I said, it may be somebody here or it may be somebody that views the live stream. But what I'm telling you, that a pastor's put in my life to help me get there. But ultimately, it's my decision whether I decide to come to an altar, whether I decide to give my life to repentance, whether I decide to live a holy and unrighteous life, whether I decide to bring my wife and my little girl into the house of God. That's not Pastor Phillips' decision. That's not Brother BJ's decision. But it's a choice that I've got to make in my life every single day. My prayer 
hilarious that somebody would cross the divide today and say I'm not going to be left in the field but I'm going to be the one that's taken that where my priorities have been they're not going to be there no longer but I'm picking that up and I'm moving it to where it needs to be the Bible says seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness every one of us has a command to put God first in our life it's something that I've got to do every day where are your priorities at come on Ryan where's your priorities at is the order of your life the way that it needs to be there's times I've got to look at myself in the mirror and I've got to shake myself come on I've got to stir it up within me and say I've got to make sure that I'm the one that's taken from the field I can tell you that our humanity, our flesh wants to keep us grounded. It wants to keep us anchored and bound to the ground in that field. But there's something spiritual that we've got to stir up within us and say I'm overcoming this flesh. That I'm going to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Come on, I'm going to have a godly mind and a godly heart. And there's some things that I've got to share that's weighting me down. It's two different people. It's two different approaches. It's two different outcomes in the end. I know it's one small Scripture verse that just tells us that two will be in the field and one shall be taken and the other left. But but can we imagine, can we wrap our minds around, uh, come on, uh, the importance uh, of that Scripture, uh, of the meaning of that Scripture, of the impact that that Scripture has, uh, that there's going to be somebody uh, that's left behind uh, for all eternity, uh, that here we find uh, the end place of mercy, uh, that here we find the end place of repentance, uh, that here we find the end place uh, of forgiveness, because I tell you that when that man is left in that field that there is no more repentance there is no more forgiveness there is no more reset button or no more do-overs there are no more opportunities to get into the house of God there are no more opportunities to get our life and our home in order there is no more opportunities to bow our knees in an altar come on there is no more opportunities to pick up the phone and call pastor Come on, there is no more opportunities for us to reach for our Bible on our nightstand. There is no more opportunities to get all the things right that we've been saying all this time that we would get right. Then and there is the end of mercy. Then and there is the end of grace. Isn't that frightening to think about? Here recently... I've been thinking about where, where's this, and it may not make sense to you, but it's just something in my mind that I've been thinking. But, but, but I think about God's mercy being ever enduring and everlasting. And I, I've been, been thinking, where is that end point? Where, where, where does God's mercy end? Where, 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 where does His grace end? Where, where does forgiveness and repentance end? There's going to be two in the field. One taken and one left. So the question today that every one of us must answer is this.
Which man in the field are we going to be? Will we love or will we hate? Will we forgive or will we hold a grudge? Will we build up or will we tear down? Will we go to church or will we not? Will we turn to the Bible or will we leave it on the shelf? Will we continue in the ways of God or will we turn away? Will we live in our past or will we live in the forgiveness that God has given us? Will we continue to live on the outer edge of what God has given us or will we completely submerge ourselves into the call of God? Which man in the field will we be? Which man in the field will you be when given the decision, when given the choice, when given the opportunity? Which man in the field will we be? Will we let God speak to us or will we find a way to somehow silence His voice? Will we live for God on our own or do we require a constant urging from the pastor? I'm telling you, and I said it a moment ago, but it's left up to us. Lord, let it never be said to me that it took phone call after phone call after phone call after phone call and I still refused. I still ignored. I still silenced Your voice. Which man in the field will I be? Will we let our troubles break our faith? Or will we trust in God? Will we let our dilemma turn us to God? Or will we let it turn us away from God? Will we give in to the weariness of our flesh? Or will we lean on the strength of God? Will we stay down when we fall or will we get up and pursue victory? Which man in the field will we be? The unfortunate dilemma that we all face is that we are in the flesh, that we all have a fleshly body, but we must Find a way to keep this flesh submitted to the Spirit, to the Spirit of God. Don't give in to the weariness of the flesh, but if we can lean on the everlasting strength of God, which man in the field will your family see? Will it see the man that found it a priority, that made it a priority to live for God? Or will your family see the man in the field that doesn't revere God, that doesn't respect God, that doesn't respect the things of God? Will you be the man in the field, come on, that your family knows loves God and trusts God and puts God above everything else? Come on, will you be the man in the field that talks about the miracles of God, that talks about the blessings of God, that talks about the hand of God, that talks about the power of God, that talks about the salvation of God, because we all 
have an opportunity to decide which man in the field will my family see? Which man in the field will your co-workers see? Will it see the one that separated themselves to a godly lifestyle? Or will you be the one that stands around the water cooler telling the jokes, come on, that they tell, laughing about the things that they laugh about, going to the places that they go? Which man in the field will we be? If they'll come to the music this morning. The choice is ours. The decision is ours to make. And I tell you that we can start today. That you and I can start today. The truth is, the reality is, that I cannot control everything that life deals me. I cannot control everything that is thrown my way. But what I can control is my attitude. What I can control is my response. What I can control is how I perceive things to be. How did you end up here? I'm here because of my Father. Two different people. Two different outcomes. Men in the field. How did you get up there? How did you get left behind? Two different people. Two different outcomes. Judas once a disciple of Jesus. He was one of the chosen twelve. He sat at the same table. He ate the same meals. He heard the same teaching. He was in the same field as all of the others. He experienced the same miracles. Come on. He touched Jesus just like everyone else did. But look at the end of His life. We find Him hanging from a tree. The simple truth is that Judas's choices determined His direction. And His direction determined His destination. What a sad tragedy it is that Judas's destination was a rope, a tree, and death. Oh, but what a glorious contrast we find in the other disciples that their stories go on to propagate the Gospel of Jesus around the world, affecting and influencing both sinners and the church alike. Stand to your feet this morning. We choose who we are. We choose what we are. And daily, oh daily, that choice is ours. So I take us back to where we started at. Then shall two be in the field. One shall be taken and the other left. This morning, I want to give us an opportunity, a space for God to talk to us. 
wish I could put my finger on exactly who this message was for, but I just know what I felt in the Holy Ghost, the urge of the Holy Ghost. If there's any part of this message that touched you, that provoked you, that stirred something up in you, could you reach out for God right now and let Him move upon your heart? Because He's here in this place, here in this moment, wanting to help us and touch us. God, You see my human frailty. You see my weaknesses. You see every battle that I face every day. God, I don't always get it right. I make mistakes. I make wrong turns from time to time. But this morning, Lord, I'm relying on Your mercy. I'm relying on the opportunity to get it right. Lord, for me and my house, I want to choose to serve You. For me and my house, I want it to be connected and dedicated to You, Lord. I want to be directed towards You. My thought, my energies, my efforts, Lord. Let it all be given to You. Let it all be submitted to You. Let it all be directed to You, God. I don't want to find excuses to remove myself from Your presence. But Lord, I want to cling on to every reason that I have to pursue after You. You, uh, to humbly submit myself to You and the things You're trying to do in my heart and my life. Uh, because God, I know that You've given me free will and You've given me choice. Uh, and it's my choice. It's my decision. It's left up to me. Uh, come on, can we lift our voices right now? Uh, can you lift your hands right now? Yes, Jesus. Yes, <laughs> Jesus.